0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the Social World podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and today's thoughts on the social world are with an old friend of mine, George Livingston, who is now working night and day for Grantham Remakery. Strathspey works, a small but very vital charity in the north of Scotland. And this is a charity that actually is the lifeblood of so many of small communities. It's actually working with young people aged 16 to 24, in this case about a dozen of them because they've got funding for only a couple of days a week, soon to be three because they've just got another grant. But effectively what they're doing is working with young people who've struggled in academia and who are now being tutored, guided, supported in remaking items of furniture or or any kind of other household things that are donated to the charity as an example of how to manage the world of work. I know that George, with all his interests and all his experience in community social work and statutory social work in the past, is now bringing so much to bear as their development consultant. But also, I know that they're very, very keen to move into supporting areas of more acute mental health issues within the community as well as those issues that involve people who have got learning difficulties. So look, George Livingston, welcome to the program.
1: Good morning, David. Sorry, what were you saying? I say nice to be here.
0: (laughs) Nice to speak to you again. Listen, um, I think let's start off uh, by asking if you could probably just explain a little bit more detail what I kind of skeletally outlined there about the charity.
1: Okay. Um, as, as an organisation, it's, it's been in the offing for nearly four years, but we really only kicked off in November 2019 when we got some premises. And the idea came from a friend of mine who, as he, he nicely says, he was on holiday sitting at a swimming pool in Portugal looking around him thinking, all these people sitting here, what a wealth of knowledge and experience. I wonder how we could share it. Hmm. And and, and from that, he he had this idea that we have what we call a remakery. So we remake, we repair, we refurbish and we resell household items and items of furniture. Um, That's how it started and he, he roped me in because my last 10 years at work were writing tenders, writing funding bids for the company that I worked for in London uh, and he needed somebody who had done funding applications before hmm. and he's an old friend, he he was a community policeman and we worked together when I worked in social work um, Oh, back I met him I think in the mid-80s, mid-1980s
0: Okay, so how did the, group, the, the particular area of work get decided on?
1: Um, By area, do you mean the geographical area or?
0: Oh, well, I didn't. But actually, that's interesting, too. If you, I mean, no, I meant the actual content of the work, what, which particular group in the community that you were aiming at, why young people particularly, but also it'd be good if you could tell people where you are geographically.
1: Right. Well, let's deal with the grouping of people to start with. Um, Peter's vision was really for, for, for anybody who's, who's struggling with the world of work. And he, he had at that stage been working with a group of learning disabled adults that he, he had put together. They were called the Wildlife Wombles and they actually worked in a, in a local park. Mm. Uh, doing bits of work, uh, but his his vision was that. And in in discussion, this this really links to the geographical aspect mm. as well, I mm. suppose. Um, he lives in Badenoch and Strathspey, and he was very aware that services are often parachuted in and removed in in rural areas, and that there needed to be something developed in the community. Mm-hmm. There was a service functioning in the south of Badnock and Bay, but nothing in the north.
0: Just, just trans- a second, George, actually, you'd better say for our overseas listeners where Badnock and Strathbay is, please, if you could. It's,
1: I suppose the, the easiest way for people to find it is to look for the Cairngorms National Park.
0: Okay, in the north of Scotland, uh, yes.
1: It's in the highlands of Scotland. Okay, um, thanks. And, and the, the difficulties from the north end are actually transport. To get from the north end to the south end, people have to take a bus to Aviemore and then a bus or a train south, and mm. the same to go to Inverness. And, and just as an example of how difficult it was for vulnerable young people, if somebody leaves Granton and Spey, which is the village that we work in, to go to Inverness to college, when they finish college at night, They were having to hang about Inverness for between three and four hours, waiting for a bus home. Not a good situation for vulnerable young people. No, quite right. Uh, So the services need to be provided in the community, and I'm a a great believer in community social work. I don't think that's something that local authorities can actually do. They are tied into the statutory and emergency system,
0: Mm.
1: so they don't actually do. Preventive work, which is what I think community social work is. So the, the the discussions between Peter and I really worked round, and we decided the easy place to start was in talking to Granton Grammar School mm-hmm. and saying, "What about these vulnerable young people that leave you? Where did they go? What did what happens?" Uh, and we instantly, in in talking to staff there, got a list of about 18 young people that might fit our project. Um, so from that, they chose the first half dozen that came to us for the pilot project, which was starting in November, and we were funded for six months at that mm-hmm. stage. Okay. Um, so, so, so of the six, five, in fact, came. Um, and we worked with them uh, One was reported to me recently has has moved on to work. One has gone to college. One is working with us currently as a volunteer. Uh, The other two were too young to go on to work, but were having great difficulty settling and doing things in school. Um, And by being with us part time, actually their behaviour and their management of their school situation became better.
0: So even with a small cohort of youngsters, you proved the point?
1: That's absolutely right. We proved the point. And uh, we work in partnership with Bernardos, okay. who provide us with formal employability skills training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so three were undertaking employability skills training at level 2 and one has now moved on to doing his at level 3 and that's the one that's back with us as a volunteer and we're hoping to move him into a work placement towards an apprenticeship uh, over the next 3 months. Okay. So for me that was a very successful pilot project even given the difficulties of the pandemic.
0: Well, right. I mean, listen, it, it, incredible that you were able to do it in the middle of that, to be quite frank. But tell us a little bit about the actual work that you get the youngsters engaged into and how that comes about.
1: It, I think I need, need to just say that we were very welcomed by the local community in Grantland's Bay. Mm. And we were offered so much furniture that, in fact, some of it is in store somewhere else. We don't have space for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so people have been incredibly generous, and, and and I need to thank the people of Granton and Spey and the surrounding area for that. From that, we look at items that need refurbished. There have been tables that have had very scratched tops, so they need sanded back and mm-hmm. revarnished or painted or oiled or whatever it is um wardrobes, chests of drawers, all sorts of things that have needed repairs done. And, and we work with uh, a cohort of volunteers from the community who have experience in craft work and joinery work. Mm. Um, mm. So one of the things we've done actually is done away with that myth about the gap between generations. Okay, Because they're working together and have a better understanding of each other.
0: And mentoring, and mentoring, and mentoring the young people.
1: Absolutely, yep. mentoring. Um, and we, we've, uh, because of that, we then, then refurbish this stuff and it gets resold in the shop to allow us to continue working uh, and work towards being a sustainable business.
0: Okay.
1: The other thing that's happened that I didn't expect is people coming in to us saying, can you repair this item of furniture for me? So, so we're now running repairs as well for for people in the community
0: right okay okay so i mean it's actually developing and and from what you say though given the fact you've got a storehouse full of stuff as well you're actually experiencing almost kind of too much at the moment and therefore that third day that you've just been awarded a grant for will come in very handy indeed
1: absolutely that would that will be a big help um but there's other things that have happened that that I didn't expect, I have to say. Okay. Up up until the pandemic, we had become a community hub. A number of elderly and some disabled adults came in for a chat. They didn't buy anything, they didn't bring anything they wanted repaired, but they needed somebody to talk to. So we were becoming a community hub.
0: Right, okay. Um,
1: yeah. And and in that way, providing support to some people who are actually quite lonely in the community. Um, The other service that I hadn't thought of is that we provide a cost-effective service for people who are setting up their first home. Really? In terms of furnishing, you mean? In terms of furnishing their first home. There, There are a number of people coming to us looking to furnish their first home and saying, have you got whatever it is? that item of furniture, um, so we're actually supporting people in that way, and I had never thought about that one.
0: It's interesting isn't it, you're satisfying so many different community needs.
1: That, that, that's right, and that, that's why I describe this as a community social work project.
0: Right, okay, Okay. now you, you, at the moment you're working with about 12 young people, is that right?
1: We don't have 12 coming in currently, um, we're waiting on some new names from the school. Okay. Um, And, of course, the schools were shut for a long period of time, as as were we in the shop and the workshop. Uh, And the schools in Scotland are currently on their October break. We have a meeting with them when they return to identify the young people that are coming in. But we have one young person, a young adult who has left school with a learning disability, starting with us in the beginning of November. Uh, and that's a private placement in discussion with her family.
0: Okay, okay. So you're branching out again into other areas of need. I mean, when I said 12 yeah. young people, my understanding was that's the actual um, amount, the capacity you could deal with at the moment, coronavirus not, notwithstanding.
1: That's the capacity over a year. We would work with yeah. six at any one time. Okay. Uh, we're, 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 going to, we're going to up that. Uh, In our discussions with the school, we're looking at how we increase that number. Um, But at this point, six at any one time is is what we can work with. Okay.
0: It's a very subjective question in some respects, but you'll have to sort of maybe fall back on the young people you've worked with over the last six months or so as well. But, I mean, do you feel that you're actually achieving, a kind of energising young people to actually appreciate and value the whole
1: uh, world of work? I believe we are, and and part of why I believe that are the discussions we have already had with the young people who were with us during the pilot project. Okay. And and there's there's sort of two or three aspects to that. The discussions we have, how they value it. We we involve them in the planning of, of what we're doing. Look to them to give us feedback on how to change what we're doing that better meets their needs. So they're actively involved with us in planning for the future and planning for future young people. Mm. Um, the second aspect is the feedback from the school who are saying that those young people go back to school, and this, this is very subjective, but the young people go back to school and, and to quote the, the, the deputy head that we were dealing with at the school, was they rave about the project <laughs> to, to their fellow young people. Um, and we've also, we get feedback from the parents of the young people who are very welcome to come into the shop and talk to us about what's happening. Uh, and the parents of most of them have been in and said how valuable they feel the job we're doing is. So again, these are subjective measures. No, no, well, I mean, yes, but I mean,
0: most, you know, most experiences. I mean, how do you actually envisage? Now, we'll get down to details in a minute or two, but, I mean, just overall, how do you envisage the future in an ideal setting? I mean, obviously, somebody comes and gives you loads of millions of pounds and you develop it, et cetera, et cetera. But apart from that, the obvious kind of thing, how how do you envisage the development of the project?
1: Well, I think... I mean, we have our pipe dream, if you like, Um, in working with young people two days a week, working with young adults with a learning disability Mm. uh, one day a week, and working in the future with people with mental ill health one day a week.
0: Young people or or a whole gamut of age?
1: The the whole gamut. The whole gamut. Uh, And I am, in fact, in discussions with... Uh, a very highly respected mental health charity in the highlands about how we would both undertake and fund that so we've had our preliminary discussions on their way looking at funding models uh, and looking at how that could be done as they would provide us with the experienced mental health support staff
0: and the capacity
1: uh, and, and the and the capacity yes. Um, but that, that's a bit for the future, and, that, and that's kind of our dream. And I it's
0: just there's so can... many different things. I mean, the, the, the idea I took it entirely when you were talking there of the community hub, uh, vision yes. that you have, the which is
1: hub vision is, is absolutely my vision. Mm. Um, we are high bound with that just now because we have small premises and we can only have a very limited number of people in at any one time, uh, because of the current restrictions. Um, so we're having to work within really a very tight framework in order to keep social distancing and, and keep everybody safe.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and Until the coronavirus of- is finished with, obviously there will be, you know, as everybody has, you know, quite a lot of you kind know, of shackles on you. In terms of, of what you can what you can do, but let me let me almost challenge you slightly here, in, in a sense. But I think I know how you're going to respond. I mean, people might say, in terms of the menu of of care and support that you offer, um, are you offering too many things on that menu?
1: That's a question I challenge myself with frequently. <laughs> mm, <laughs> mm, mm. Um, I, I think I think the difficulty we have is managing the growth. It's like starting any business, you have to manage the growth. Mm-hmm. If you just let it expand out of control, it will fail. I have no no doubt about that. So managing the growth, that's why our first six months we concentrated on the young people from the school. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the six months has become a year because of the time we've had to be shut. Um, we opened in November 19, in November 20 we're bringing in our first young adult with learning disability so it is about managing the development and managing the growth Um, and and I think that's where I draw on my past experience of having worked both in the public sector and the private sector to look at how we manage all of that.
0: Right okay yeah I mean I am fully aware too of the breadth of your experience what, I mean, have you got the physical space that, that could deal with uh, expansion?
1: Our way of expanding is to open further days, not to oh. expand the number we have in at any time. Right,
0: right, 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 right. Okay.
1: Um, because f- what we have is a shop in the high street with a door and two windows, a standard kind of small shop. It has an office in it that we're turning into a craft room mm-hmm. uh, where we will do things like sewing, craft work, painting, all of that. And then behind that, what was the storeroom is a workshop. Um, mm-hmm. So it's limited numbers in each of these species. So we can only expand by opening for further days. And, of course, that increases costs because you have a shop manager to pay for additional days.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the the whole issue you were talking about there, managing growth, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, We could, without the pandemic, we could accommodate up to four people in any session. But currently, we have two maximum in the workshop, one in the craft room. You've
0: obviously uh, so, got a lot of community support, though, from how you were describing health. it, w- whether it's parents or whether it's just general volunteers or, or, or whatever, institutions not, such as the school and
1: so forth. That. Not just that. Local businesses. OK. Local businesses have been fantastically supportive. Um, I, th- I think Granton is an unusual place in that Granton's High Street is thriving. Um, there have That's been good to hear. There have been eight businesses opened in the last year. Six since the pandemic.
0: <laughs> What's the rough size of the community, George?
1: Oh, I don't know what the population of Granton is. My, my guess would be about nine or ten thousand, but that's a guess.
0: Okay, but uh, which is relatively limited, but not too small.
1: No, uh, but it. If, if we look at the school catchment area, then it draws in other villages and rural areas round about.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it, it, it's a, it's a, a rural farming area, uh, a tourist area, so it's been severely hit. Yes. Uh, currently. Mm. Uh, and I mean, a couple of hotels have closed, but shops are opening on the high street. And it's fascinating to watch. And we are one of those shops.
0: Have you got Uh, any experience of, of, I mean, people listening to this obviously will, um, I I hope and probably expect them to be very interested in the whole idea of this kind of multifaceted kind of community support for young people. But at the same time, are there any models around or are you
1: just plowing your own furrow, furrow really? Um I'm not aware of any models. Mm. Uh, I mean I think the only thing I, I know about was some cross-generational work that was done, I think it was in Stratford and Avon some years ago. Okay. Where where they started some work with young people and people in care and nursing homes um, mm. as a way of crossing the generational divide. Um and and that's always been in the back of my head that that's something that we can certainly do. Uh, I mean, we look to people like the Men's Shed. Now, I'm not sure all listeners will know what the Men's Shed is. Uh, I mean, it's a group of retired people, and it started for men, but obviously it, it it's, uh, there are women who go to it as well. Um, but it, it started and retired Craftsmen go and they make bird boxes and flower troughs and things like that, uh, and it's a way of lonely elderly people having social contact.
0: It's a community engagement um, community sort of engagement. project, and, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and we we had discussions with them and got advice on what we needed to do to set up the workshop from them and from the technical department in the school. Um, our landlord is in fact a shop owner. Okay. Uh, and we've, advi- we've had advice from him on, on the retail aspects. Uh, so the community have been involved in supporting what we're doing. What, what I would say is that when we floated the idea with people in the community and with the local school, they grabbed it with both hands and said, This is something that we must enable. Okay. So we started with huge community support and in fact our landlord came to us saying, I believe you're looking for premises rather than us going to him and saying we want to rent them.
0: Oh, that's that's a nice way around. I wish more challenges had that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, let me get political with you for a second, George. All right. What's to say that what you're doing, and this really applies, you know this as well as I do, this applies to most charitable work that goes on in this country. Um, I mean, what's to say that you're not effectively masking what really should be statutory responsibilities?
1: It's arguable that we are. Mm. Um, and, 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 I mean, I think what I, what I would say, just as a, a little individual schools in Scotland now, in addition to looking at the numbers that they get to go to university, have a responsibility to look at work skills. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a very difficult thing for schools of, you know, 800, 1,000 pupils to do. So I, I think working in partnership with the school, we actually enable that statutory responsibility to happen. Because we're providing work skills training and employability skills training for a number of the young people um, who, who perhaps don't quite fit the standard model, if you like.
0: Well, the natural logic of that would be, and although you do get, I do understand it, funding from a variety of different sources, they're usually within the voluntary sector and charitable sources. I mean, if you are fulfilling something that should be a statutory function, then the argument is there that you should be funded from the statutory sector.
1: Those are discussions that are ongoing. Yes, yes. (laughs) I I, I imagine
0: (laughs) that you would have done that, but I mean, I'm just putting it out there that it's so often the case, especially in Western industrialized countries, how much of what one would be considered to be social responsibility (laughs) is undertaken by charity. Um, as opposed to um, central fund- centrally funded statutory bodies. Yeah. Well, I, th- I
1: think that for me there's a number of, number of s- strands in there, David. Um, if we look at it politically, local authorities have had substantial cuts in their funding over the last num- significant number of years while having their responsibilities added to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you take that on a straight business model, increased work with decreased funding doesn't happen. So so there is that aspect. But I also think that communities have social responsibility. Um, I I'm seven and a half years retired but I'm working on this project and I actually think that those of us with experience and hopefully some knowledge have a responsibility to pass that on to younger people in the community. If we want to make society a better place, then surely we all need to work together.
0: I'll get no problem, George, with the motivation and totally understand the commitment to the community. It's not its not really that that I was thinking of as yeah. much as um, the, the, the different, sometimes the blurring of boundaries, you know? And, and, yes. and the idea especially that... Um, Well, I mean, for example, it always strikes me as odd looking at, if you like, social work, if you like, around the world, that the normal aspect of social work within Western industrialised countries, which obviously includes Scotland, effectively is usually to do with individuals or families, whereas the social work, as it's understood in many of the, if you like, non-industrialised countries and the third world and so forth, usually revolves around community work and the kind of, therefore, the kind of growth, if you like, of the mirroring of that now, with ne- by necessity, in industrialised countries, to my mind, is a fascinating shift in emphasis. And just, you know, your, your project essentially kind of underlines that to me.
1: Well, well I, th- I think, I mean, I, I spent well over 30 years in frontline social work, Mm. Um, And and when I look back, I am not sure the job I was doing at the end was the job I trained for in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, A large element of social work has actually become social policing. Now I know that will upset (laughs) a number of people, but I think it has. Mm. Uh, And you're right in that it's about the individual, whereas I think the most effective social work is to support communities to support themselves, to make communities a better place to live and to give people the skills to survive uh, and thereby not fall through the gaps, if you like. And I I think that's much more effective. I acknowledge that that's not going to change in Western society in that social work departments have a statutory function. So I think the third Mm. sector actually takes that up. and, And that's what I think we do.
0: No i I take your point. What about the idea that if you, if you could could you possibly think that the argument might be strong when you if if I said because of the nature of where you are geographically, which is in a very rural area where the community by necessity actually probably comes together more and knows each other more intimately than if you were in a big urban area, uh, therefore projects such as Yours, you know, such as you know, the whole the whole idea of of Grantham uh, remakery um, doesn't probably lend itself to work as well, possibly within a big city.
1: I think I might disagree with you. <laughs> That's fine. Right. Go
0: ahead, tell me. But I mean, I'm just the idea of community to me in big cities is often much more difficult to actually um, put your finger on.
1: Yes, I, I agree. It is it, it 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 is difficult, but for example, I, I, if I go back to thinking about when I worked in London, um, our offices were out in in East London in in the outer part, and people didn't see themselves as living in London. They lived in whatever their village was, and and they they saw that area as a group of villages that made up London. Mm so they mm. identified with a local area and if people identify with a local area you can build a community mm. and, but and you I would encourage
0: that, other people wherever they are um, to actually look at your model
1: yes and and i think one of the examples is that the the, the, the deputy head teacher that was working in the school in Bay when we started was there on a secondment from another school uh, much near and much nearer an urban area and he's gone back there and his, his first line when we looked at it is, when can you open one back with us? <laughs> Which is great. This model, this model can work anywhere. Yeah, now, that's an outsider's view. Of very
0: complimentary. Very complimentary. Absolutely. George, we're, we're, we're kind of running out of time slightly now. Um, so, But before we go, I want people to be able to understand, A, where they can find out more in, information about you. But uh, secondly, how they can give you money if they want, because that's what charities are all about. They they do need funding Absolutely. and continuous funding. And <laughs> you know, um, anything else that you'd like to say, we will we, we will put. I will put this on the text of the podcast. Obviously, the mm-hmm. front sheet. And uh, we'd look forward to people giving voicemail um, responses to this interview. But uh, tell us just Thanks. a little bit about. Where you would find you online and, you know, how they can go about supporting you if they feel so inclined.
1: Right. Well, uh, there's, there's two main places online. We have a website. If people put Granton Remakery in a search engine, they'll find us.
0: G-R-A-N-T-O-N.
1: O-W-N. Grantown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Remakery. Be, uh, um, R-E-M-A-K-E-R-Y. R-E-M-A-K-E-R-Y. E-R-Y. Yeah, yes. Granton Remakery. Yeah
1: they will also find us on facebook
0: okay under the same name
1: under the same name yes okay uh, and our contact details are on both the website and um facebook
0: mm-hmm. and contact details if they say oh how do i get in touch with them apart from i mean i mean i'll put it down as well as because you'll have it yep. on facebook as well i get it but
1: yeah, the the best way probably is our email address. Okay, It's Info at yeah, yeah. Grant Granton Remakery, all one word. Yeah. Dot org uk.
0: Good. Right, George.
1: Final word to you. Um, final word to me. Well, I think I would have to say that. As an old retired fellow, I'm having fun with this project. <laughs> uh, and I hope that everybody that's involved in it is, and I, I, I believe they are, because they keep coming back. They want to know when we're open. Um, but I would need to say thanks, I think, to the Lottery, the Robertson Trust, Caring and Sharing, the Hugh Fraser Trust Foundation Scotland uh, and Scotmid for funding that they've provided us with to get us going. Good, and hopefully get much more as well. And to get much more, yes. Uh, I mean, I'm constantly working on funding applications. As a development consultant, that's my role, is is funding and how we expand and manage the services that we provide.
0: Okay. George Livingston, thanks ever so much then for being on the programme and good luck.
1: Thank you, David, for the opportunity. It's much appreciated.